So history. You rubbish. <laughs> you got one, you got one. We didn't get one. Can't believe you didn't know the William Wallace. William Wallace, when was it? What what year? 1295. 12. 1297. So you weren't even listening, were you? 1297. And what was the question, Ed? William Wallace. Yeah. When did he defeat the English? Long time ago. When did he defeat the English? English other places as well. <laughs> <laughs> we are made some. <laughs> so how do we know that that happened? John was there. <laughs> <laughs> you see, history was written down, wasn't it? And it's recorded for us somewhere. So there would have been historical records of a man called William Wallace. And it was all written down on parchments, maybe, back in those days. And we don't want to have a problem believing in William Wallace, do we? In fact, there are, there are monuments to William Wallace, mainly in Scotland. In fact, I know they used to do a, a liqueur drink to William Wallace. Not that I've had it, of course. No. No, no. <laughs> but yeah, so he existed. He is real. And we don't have a problem believe in it. What about Jesus? You ask the average man on the street, do you believe that Jesus existed? A lot of them will say no. And, and I'll ask them the question, well, why, why don't you believe he existed? Oh, because it's written in the Bible. Well, what's, what's wrong with the Bible? Well, it's just made up garbage, isn't it? And that's what we get. Because that's what people want to believe. Don't they? Because believing in Jesus demands something of us. Whereas believing in William Wallace, we won't have a problem because William Wallace does not demand us to stand up and do a Scottish jig, does he? No. But Jesus demands something of us. He demands faith and belief. This book here is a, is a really trendy little version of Luke's Gospel, which if you haven't got one, we've been giving him out at, at Bethel, and you can have one. It's like a moleskin version. So one down, down there you've got the Gospel, and next to it you've got a little place where you can write your notes. Now I'm going to test the Bethel lot, because I've been preaching this book for a while, just to see if they're still awake. <laughs> Chapter 1. We started that about six months ago. Chapter 1, who was this gospel written to? The most excellent Theophilus. Let me read the first part. This is a historical record written by who? There's a clue in the title. And he was a... They've been listening. It's great. As well as quite a meticulous historian. He interviewed a lot of people and wrote down what he saw or what he heard their accounts were of Jesus. And this is right at the start. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those from whom, from the first, were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, 
Since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. So that you can be certain, Theophilus, that Jesus is the Son of God. Are you certain? Are you certain this afternoon that he is who he says he is? Luke was, he wrote it down for us and for the Theophilus to learn from, to see that he is the Christ. Do you remember, do you remember the, the, the show that was on, Davina McCall was in it, wasn't she? The million pound drop, do you remember that? Yeah. Anyone watched that? No. Well, you had three questions three or four questions, and you had a million pounds, you started off with a million pounds, and they had security guards either side of this million pounds, and then you were given questions, and, and you had to then stake your life or your a million pounds on the answer to these questions. So what if there was a million pound question that said, Jesus is the Son of God, but he's not. Actually, there are three answers out there on the streets. Some say, no, he's not the son of God. No, no, there's no such thing as God. And they would take all their million pounds and put it on that one. And then there's some who are sitting on the fence who say, well, you can't make me mad up. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. And then they'll probably take a little bit of the million pounds and they'll stay here and then maybe take some of the million pounds and stake it over there saying, okay. Because you get to keep what's, what's, what's left after the answers have gone through. The, the pounds drop through the floor and then you're left with the right answer, the money left that you put on the right answer. So that over here is the, is the answer. Well, yes, he is the son of God. Where would you put your money? Where you're standing. <laughs> Good answer, Paul. Where would you put your money? How certain are you that Jesus is who he says he is? How certain are you that this is historically accurate? That he is the Son of God? You see, because if you're over here and you're saying he isn't, then you've got to have a counter-argument. You've got to give answers to the questions that are posed when someone says, well, he didn't exist, because he did exist. There are history books that are written, not just the Bible, that record the existence of Jesus Christ. So here's a fact from history. You can't get away from that. But then you've got to argue the case, well, the Son of God. You've got to explain these historical documents that record the miracles. So you've got to explain how, if you're putting your million pounds on the fact that he's not the Son of God, you've got to explain how he could walk on water. You've got to explain how he could turn water into why. So you know your stories. You've got to explain how he could raise the dead. Who's 12 in here? Who's 12? Anyone 12 years old? He's nearly 12. <laughs> well, Jesus raised a 12-year-old child, a 12-year-old girl, just by a word of his mouth. So if you're over here, you've got to explain how he could do that. And it was recorded, 
and everybody was talking about it. You've got to explain how on a mountainside he was transfigured into this deity that his disciples saw. So if you're over here, you've got to explain this evidence away. The evidence that is written in here so that you can be certain that Jesus is the Son of God. And the evidence just stacks up and stacks up and stacks up. And actually it makes these people look daft when you really do examine the historical evidence for the fact that Jesus is and he did what he said in this book. So where does that leave us? It was written to Theophilus so that we could be certain. And it's written full of hope. It gives us the hope, the certainty of our future. If you are certain of Jesus Christ as the Son of God, then you are certain of your eternal future in heaven. If you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and you put your faith and your trust in him, then you can be certain that you're going to win. So here you go, another million pound question for you. <clears throat> when I die, I am going to heaven. When I die, I am going to who knows where. When I die, I'm going to hell. What would you answer? How certain are you that this is where you go? I am. Paul, as he said it. Why? Because Jesus did it for me. I know what I'm like. I don't deserve to go to heaven. But he came down from heaven to earth for sinners such as me. And way back in 1985, you remember that far back? 1985, some of you lot would not even thought of them, which is sad. <laughs> you know, I walked into a church like this and heard the truth. The truth that set me free. The truth that assured me, blessed assurance, that Jesus is mine. The truth that he would go to a cross and substitute himself for me, taking the punishment for my sin and saying to me, you're forgiven and you're going to heaven. Do you have that certainty? When you close your eyes for the last time, are you certain that Jesus is the Son of God and he came to die for you, to take you to be with him in paradise forever. Dr. Luke wants you to know that Jesus is real. Dr. Luke wants you to put your trust in this Saviour. He wants you to bow your, your knee in faith believing and turning to him and to know the certainty
of who he is. So over the next few cafe churches, we're going to be looking at that. So over the next time, we're going to be looking at the certainty of his birth and also his death. So we're going to go from, from the manger all the way to the cross in 10 minutes. <laughs> and then we're going to look at the certainty of Easter Sunday. Because what happened on that? What happened? Are you certain? Well, Eddie's going to speak on that. And then finally, the certainty of a major event that is still to come. <coughs> which we're all looking forward to as Christians. What might that be? And not Liverpool winning the Premiership again. His second coming. Because he's going to come again. And we can be saved. So are you ready for that wonderful day? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this truth. This certainty of who you are and why you came. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us in this room, both young and old, that we would know that, that we would believe it, and that we would live knowing who you are and what you've done. Holy Spirit, speak, <coughs> speak to us all, I pray. Change us to be like you and to live in the hope and the assurance of that hope that we have in you. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. So, grab one of these. If you haven't got one of these, they're here, they're free. And take one on and start reading. And also, you know, write down any, any questions that you've got, having read this, just come and ask Ed. <laughs> <laughs> he'll answer them all anyway they're there on the phrase we'll take one thanks <laughs>